Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. Pay attention to what lights you up and to what you love to do. If you just start paying attention to that, you are 80% of the way there. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest for this episode, Sarah Elliott, a CPA, executive leadership coach, and also one of the professionals at CPA Practice Advisor named on its list of 2017 Most Powerful Women in Accounting. I invited Sarah on the show because in addition to that recent recognition, she just has a very interesting background for an accountant. She started in public accounting, but then ventured into a few entrepreneurial endeavors. So if you yourself are interested in building a career in public accounting or even the big four, this will be an excellent episode for you. But if you happen to be more entrepreneurial and long-term want to go out on your own, this also will be an excellent episode for you because Sarah has done both. Make sure you listen all the way to the end on this one as well. Sarah shares some valuable entrepreneurial advice, and after all, she is an executive coach, so basically it's like having a free session. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, please make sure also that you visit us online at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. That's whereaccountantsgo.com for the complete show notes and links to more information on Sarah's organization. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Sarah Elliott of Austin, Texas. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for coming on the program today to share your story with the audience. Oh, it's a pleasure, Mark. Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. Well, for everybody listening, I first came across Sarah Elliott when I saw online that she was going to be honored as one of the 2017 most powerful women in accounting by CPA Practice Advisor. And obviously, that that piqued my interest a little bit. I looked online then to find out a little bit more about her background, because I'm always looking for successful accountants that, you know, either bring a, a unique perspective on career choices to the audience or, or some valuable life and, and career advice overall. And, and Sarah, you, you definitely fit into both of those. Sarah has more of an entrepreneurial background, at least recently, but she started, dare I say, along a, a typical accounting path like most of us do. So Sarah, before we get into your more recent business endeavors, I always like to start at the beginning so our audience understands where you came from and and how you got to where you are today. If you could take us back to the beginning, how did you initially decide to look into accounting as a career in the first place? Yeah, well, I'll tell you that it wasn't until I was a senior in college. So funny enough, I started my college career in chemical engineering, and I had 
a knack for math and science in high school. I liked chemistry, so I thought, what's a gal to do with all that, right? Engineering seemed like such a great choice. So I pursued a degree in chemical engineering, and it was the summer, I think it was the summer after my junior year in college, I interned at a refinery in Oklahoma. And I was one of the only women in the entire place, and none of the, we had to wear these fire retardant gear. They were called Nomex and a hard hat and steel-toed boots, and it was 110 degrees outside, and I was around 500-degree heat exchangers and climbing distillation towers. And uh, after that summer, I thought, uh, this is not for me. So I thought, what do I really want to do? And I thought I would get a minor in business. And, and I thought, well, maybe that could help me in management positions and understand the business more and maybe less time out in the field, you know, climbing 10-story distillation towers. So I took an uh, introductory accounting class as part of my minor, I believe it was the fall of my senior year, and I loved it. It just really clicked. The engineering stuff never clicked for me. I, I didn't enjoy it, but accounting just made sense. Everything balanced. I could get my arms around it. It helped me understand a business and how it worked. And yeah, it, it worked. So spring of my senior year, I actually changed my major to accounting. And I managed to somehow cram in all the hours I needed in all of my business classes and accounting classes in a year and a half. So I was kind of on my own five-year plan. I graduated after five years with I think, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was about 186 credit hours and a bachelor's degree in accounting. Oh my gosh. I, I was going to ask you how long in college that was occurring to me if you decided in your senior year, you must have been super busy. Yeah. I, well, and I, I was working too because I was on a scholarship and that ran out after four years. So my fifth year, I was you know, working a couple of jobs and taking maybe 18 hours a semester. And I was taking summer school and I even took something by uh, correspondence. So it was uh, a hectic year and a half. But, you know, I enjoyed it because I, it made sense. I was enjoying what I was doing. And it's incredible what a difference it makes when you are learning something that you like. And when you enjoy it, it's less work and, and kind of fun. Interesting. Just so you know, actually, you're, you're not the first guest that said they, they took accounting just because it's one of the courses that, that they you know, had to take as a part of another major, and it just made sense to them, and that's how they ended up in accounting. I think, I think a lot of us accountants <laughs> happened into it by accident, but it, it made sense. <laughs> yeah, right. There's something nice about things balancing, and yeah, I find a lot of us are, we like the organization right? And, and that balance and the analytical piece of it. So you get out of college in five years, even with the initial detour, so to speak. Did you pursue the CPA exam immediately or was that something you did later? Or I guess, what did you do straight out of college? Yeah. So I, I went straight into a job and I had actually taken a few extra accounting classes to qualify for the CPA exam. So I took those extra classes while I was in school. So that was part of you know, the 186 hours I took. So I, yeah, I started right away in big four. I started at PwC and I, I took the CPA exam as early as I could each time it was offered. I want to say, I think it took me three times to pass everything, but that was back in the days where you had to go for two straight days, take all four parts, 
and then you just waited to get your score back and, you know, you had to pass at least two. No, I think you had to get at least a 50 on everything and pass at least two to get any credit. And uh, I know it's changed a, a lot now. Okay. Yeah. Actually, when I took it, it was the same thing. At least a 50 on every part. You had to take every part you hadn't passed yet and you had to pass at least two. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but then you were just waiting, right? And then when you passed the next two, right, you still had to get, I think, at least a 50 the next go round. So, yeah, I, I feel like I, I, took, I passed two the first time and then one the next time and then one the final time. And there was one time I got a 74 on one part, and that was just kind of, <laughs> that was killer right there, one point away. <laughs> so did you start with PwC and audit or tax or what, what area did you start in? I started right in audit. And that was where I stayed. I was actually, I started out in Austin, in Austin, Texas office. And with PwC, that was actually one of the smaller offices in the big picture. But it was a lot of fun. I I got to work on audits start to finish, really. So in that smaller office, and at that time, it was in the early 2000s, it was around the, the tech boom, right before that bubble burst. And we had a lot of startup companies that we were working on. So even as a young auditor, you know, I got to work on really all parts of the audit pretty early in my career. So that was neat. Interesting. Was that your specialty, so to speak, startups? Or or it's just that's primarily what the Austin office handled? Yeah, I would say that was a lot of what the Austin office did. So I was mapped to the technology and communications group during most of my time with the firm. Okay. Now, you were with PwC quite a while then, right? Yeah, I I was with PwC just over 10 years. And so I I spent eight of those years in Austin working on audits. And I I did work on a lot of smaller accounts. And I also had a couple of larger accounts, one of which was one of the larger accounts in the firm. And I tended to to work on the, the accounts that were being restated or had problems which was interesting. So I actually spent a lot of of years and hours in basements and cubicles and kitchens, you know, auditing and random places around the clock. So yeah, some pretty interesting stories there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious, is that, is that work just more interesting or a whole lot more stressful or both? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely both. I mean, you learn a ton, right? And what was interesting to me too was you get to work with a lot of really interesting people. So when you're on an account that's going through some messiness, a lot of people don't like to work on those, right? They don't want to to be in that situation or work in that situation. It certainly can be stressful and long hours, but it also presents some really incredible learning opportunities and opportunities to work with specialists within the firm, we would fly people in from different offices that would come down and help us. And, and, you know, you kind of band together, right, during that crisis and people come together and you help each other and you really bond over that experience. So it actually presented some really neat opportunities to form some, some really strong relationships, relationships I still have to this day, even though myself and some of those other people are not with the firm anymore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, being there that long, 10 years, I mean, what what opportunities do you feel like you had that you wouldn't have had otherwise, or what way do you feel like you, you grew during your time with PwC? Yeah, what a great question. Well, I'll say that, that one thing that was really neat, because I was there so long and I was there as a manager all the way through senior manager, 
I did get to manage some some pretty neat accounts, even though sometimes they were messy, right? And and just incredible learning opportunities and to be able to run, be part of the the leadership team, right, on an engagement was really neat. A lot of what I did when I was at the firm, it's funny, even from day one, I kind of did all the extracurricular stuff. So I loved mentoring other folks. I loved recruiting. I loved training. I used to organize happy hours for the office informal ones, you know, that weren't official from sponsored happy hours. I used to help organize a holiday party. So there were a lot of opportunities to just get involved and, you know, have fun and kind of do what you like to do. And perhaps the biggest opportunity that I had, I actually went to the national office. So I I did a two-year rotation in the auditing services practice within the national office, which was in Florham Park, New Jersey. And, and that was just an incredible experience working with, you know, some of the, just these brilliant people at the firm who were setting standards and making things happen. It, it was just really neat to be involved with that and work with that caliber of people. Interesting. You know, actually, you're the third guest we've had now that did a rotation through a national office, or at least it mentioned it on the podcast. And, and that seems to be just... Uh, I keep using the word interesting, but very interesting work that they really enjoy that. And, and I, mm-hmm. I think it's a little competitive to be selected to go to the national office, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's an application process and they'll go through and you have to, I think, put forth references that they'll reach out to and things like that. And I will say that probably one of the reasons that that opportunity came onto my radar was because of some of the messy accounts I worked on, because I I got to know and work with people that were were at the national office at that time. I got to see what they did right on the receiving end of that and how much they were able to help me and my team and also make those connections, right? So I I think that probably did help me get in, so to speak, a few years later when I decided that was something I wanted to shoot for. Okay, okay. So you were there 10 years. What was your next step? What did you do after PwC? Yeah, so I was wrapping up my tour at the national office. And at the second year of your tour, you start thinking about what's next. You know, where's the opportunity to make partner? You know, where where should you go? And it was neat. I, I had some neat opportunities on the table that I was exploring. And, you know, on the personal front, what had happened, this is a kind of fun part of the story, I met a man five weeks before I moved to New York. So when I was at the national office, it was actually New Jersey, but I moved to Manhattan because I wanted to do, you know, the big city life thing. And I was single at the time. So I thought I was going to move to Manhattan and never come back to Texas. And uh, I met someone five weeks before I moved. And then we did a long distance relationship across the country for two years. And, you know, at the end of that two-year rotation, he really factored into my life and and my decisions. And he convinced me to come back to Texas. So he's from Austin, born and raised. Brandon, that's his name. He convinced me to come back. And I'm so glad that I did (laughs) because we ended up getting married, right? Spoiler alert. Yeah. And so when I came back to Austin, It felt like at that time that I was walking away from some really great opportunities, right, to make partner at PwC. And that's what I had set out to do. And, you know, to your point earlier, I I was kind of on that traditional path. I thought, okay, I'll do what it takes. I'll, you know, work my tail off, make partner there. and, And that's the goal. But then I realized there was more to my life than just that and someone else in my life. And yeah, and I, I made a leap of faith and I left 
what I knew at PwC. I, I actually came back to Austin and I was part of the Austin office for a few more months, I think about three or four months. But coming back to that small of an office at that big of a firm and knowing that I wanted to stay there, there just weren't a lot of long-term opportunities for me to make partner and, and stay, stay there, at least at that time. So I joined a smaller firm. It was at the time a regional firm headquartered in Austin. And when they brought me on, they said, we're growing fast. We need help. Just come on in and jump in wherever you want. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, putting that in a nutshell there, but that was pretty much the message. So that was a really exciting opportunity for me to actually become a bit more entrepreneurial. I had never functioned in a smaller organization before I was used to working in, of course, a big one, right, with a big four at PwC. So that was a very, very fun experience and challenging in a whole different way. And what was really neat about that was I was worried when I left PwC that I was walking away from everything I had worked towards, that I was leaving that behind. But what I did instead was I walked into this new opportunity with new possibilities that were things I had never considered before. And, and they were wonderful in a different way. Okay. You have a few of your own businesses now. So I guess how did you go from that regional firm to, I guess, what's the rest of the journey <laughs> from the yeah. regional firm to where you are now? <laughs> yeah. So I, I was with the regional firm for, I think, about four years. And I, I did make partner there. And so that was neat. So I dove right in there at that firm and I got involved with various leadership positions. I was still, again, involved very much in HR, recruiting, training and development, really mentoring the, the manager team there. Of course, all, all the technical stuff, the firm really wanted me to do a lot of technical work. And I, I was actually put in charge of the audit practice. I was the national audit pick as a new partner. So not only was I a new partner, I was the national audit pick. And I thought in my head, I have no idea what I'm doing. Why am I in this position? Am I really qualified to do this? But what was really neat about that was the firm supported me and believed in me and actually hired a coach to help me. And so that coach was initially hired to help me with business development specifically because, you know, as part of being a new partner, you're expected to develop your own book of business. And she helped me with that and she was amazing. But she also just helped open my eyes to who I am and what my strengths are and what possibilities I had in front of me that I had just never seen before. So when I started working with her, I started reading different books. I started because I was focused on business development. I was getting out there in the community. I was meeting people. I was meeting entrepreneurs. I had space in my life to actually start thinking about what do I want to create with my life? What's important to me? What do I value? What do I really want? And I had never really asked myself those questions at a deep level. You know, what I had thought I wanted was, okay, make partner. That's it. That's success. Make a lot of money. Have a happy family. Life is good. I never really thought beyond that about why do I want those things and is that even really what I want or is that just what I think I want <laughs> or what the path, the traditional path looks like. And so once I had the opportunity and created that space in my life to dream, frankly, to dream right about what I wanted, I had never really dreamed before since I was a kid. 
some things came up for me. You know, I started thinking everything I've loved to do is always about other people. It's yes, helping other people, serving other people, having a positive impact in whatever way I could. But how did I do that? I I did that by believing in other people and by empowering them and by teaching and coaching and, and mentoring. And when I started to discover those things about me and what lit me up and what brought me joy, I started thinking, what if I could do that all the time? You know, what could I do? Is that a possibility for me to do that all the time? And I began to see it could be, right? The only thing holding me back from that was me. (laughs) So I was in a place in my career where I had this great job. I worked with great people at a wonderful firm. I had some really neat, you know, leadership opportunities there, Was, was part of the executive team of the firm running the business. And that was all great, right? But I realized there was more. <laughs> there was more for me and I wasn't truly living into my potential. And, and the things that I loved most about my role at that firm and just in public accounting, all the things that brought me joy were not actually accounting <laughs> and they weren't actually auditing. And that was kind of a means, right, to the end. That, that was a way for me to do what I love to do But like I said, I just felt like if there was, who could I be and what could I do if I did more of what I love? So I I took this crazy leap of faith in 2014. And instead of committing to the, the firm by buying in to the firm and becoming an equity partner, I gave my notice. And at the time I was pregnant and yeah, so with my first and only child, And my husband is amazing. And I'll tell you that I remember having dinner with him one evening. And at the time, I had been doing a lot of volunteer work with the AICPA, and and I still do. And that had opened my eyes up to the needs in our profession for leadership development. And I was, you know, discovering that that's where my passion is. And I was putting this together, and I was having dinner with my husband and we had been trying to have a baby for a while. And I said, you know, what, what if, what if I started my own business and became a consultant? And this would mean that the money that I make now, we may not have. (laughs) And at the time, by the way, I was the primary earner in the the relationship at the time. I mean, he has an awesome job and, and was doing really well. I just, my partner's salary was the higher of the two. And I said, we've been trying to have a baby. What if I get pregnant? What if I have a baby and I have a business and I have to travel? How would that even work? Is that a possibility? And he looked at me and he said, yes, I believe in you and do it. (laughs) And that moment was a very pivotal point for me because it was all possibility, (laughs) right? I, I could do it and I had the support. And God bless my husband, because I joke with him now. If he had any idea what it would have been like, I'm not sure he would have been so 100% in, you know, at that time, because it turned out to be a lot harder than either of us and certainly than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, but that moment was really the, the tipping point. And we did get pregnant, actually, shortly after that. So my first year as an entrepreneur, I was a mom, and I also went back to school for a year to become an executive coach. I wanted to become certified in that. And so I was going back to school, starting a business, 
walking away from all the money <laughs> and uh, having a baby, bringing life into the world, hiring childcare, and doing all of this at the same time. And it was one of the most challenging years and also just one of the absolute best years just of my life. Wow. Okay, now I have to ask because I, I know this is something that, that people wonder about when they're thinking about going out on their own. So how did that transition work? Did you quit your job, cold turkey, have no clients, and just start looking for some customers? How, how did that work exactly? Okay, so well, I will <laughs> say that, that I, I did give my firm a, a lot of notice, and we left things on a, a really positive note because you know they understood that it, it was nothing about the firm or, or anyone there or anything like that, right? It was more about me and what I needed to do. So I, out of respect and, and because it's, I care, I stayed on for several months and wrapped up my projects and made sure things were transitioned and, and all of that. So it wasn't just like cold turkey overnight, you know, see, see you later, guys, right? No, so no. <laughs> so uh, I took care of them and they took care of me and, and that was really all good. But during that time, this is the funny part, I thought I have a few months here to start up my new business on the side and to start finding clients mm -hmm. and, you know, just doing the basics of setting up the infrastructure. Well, in reality, what happened was I was still busy wrapping up and transitioning things and taking care of my clients and finishing things out. Oh, and by the way, I was in my first trimester of my pregnancy and no one knew I was pregnant and I was exhausted all the time and sometimes feeling nauseous. And I was working probably 60 hour weeks just trying to, you know, take care of my stuff at the firm at the time. Yeah, so I didn't do anything <laughs> on the side. Like my grand ideas were, I, I just, I found myself, my last day was August 15th, 2014. And the next day I was starting up a business. And I actually thought I knew more than I did. In hindsight, I really had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> But that's okay. That's part of the learning process. And I, I encourage that. I think it's actually a gift to not know what you're doing. But yeah, so I was trying to get clients. And at this point, I was five months pregnant. So I knew I was going on maternity leave. I call it maternity leave, but it's not really a leave because it's not like I was paying myself, right? <laughs> so, so let's just put it this way. I was having a baby in four months from that point. So I did what I could. You know, I, I had one client it's funny, I had one client. And the thing was, when I was leaving, and I was telling people I was leaving, I actually thought I had more clients. There were people that clearly said, I want to work with you. Let, yes, let's work together. But when it actually happened, right, and I was a free agent, so to speak, and I was out there, things changed. And, you know, it just wasn't the right time for people. And, you know, some of them have since become clients. But the, the point is, or maybe the moral of the story is, I thought I was going to make a lot more income than I did. I did not. And then, you know, and then I had a baby and then I decided to go back to school and, you know, pay money for that. And uh, yeah, it was a challenge. It was really wow. interesting. Wow. Well, tell us about your companies now and, and what are your services exactly? What do you do? Okay. So I'll start with Intend to Lead. So Intend to Lead is a leadership development company. And as part of my journey in 2015, I was speaking at an AICPA conference. It's the Edge Experience. And there was another gentleman there who is a CPA turned coach. His name is Brian Cush. And he was speaking there and a mutual colleague suggested we connect with one another. And so we did. And at the time, Brian was in the DC area. 
of course, I'm in Austin, and we met via phone, and we had a lot in common, just with respect to our backgrounds, our values, our passion for leadership development, the difference we want to make in the world. We're both big dreamers. We have big plans, and we just connected on that. So we had another call, and then there was more momentum around it, and we had this idea, what if we came together and collaborated and created a leadership development program that was a public program for the CPA profession. And so we had a lot of energy and ideas around that. And Brian flew down to Austin in December of 2015. And we had a full day brainstorming session and we were super excited about it. And we decided to join forces and create Intend to Lead. So that was when Intend to Lead was born. And really what we do, what Brian and I do together is innovate leadership development in the CPA profession. So we work with individuals and CPA firms and organizations to understand what their vision is, what they want to create, and we help them make that a reality. And we do that really through three primary services. So we do coaching, leadership coaching, which can be one-on-one, and it can also be small group coaching. And then we do training, And then we do consulting. And consulting is really when we partner with someone at an organization who's responsible for some sort of leadership development program. It may be a women's initiative. It may be a a next-gen emerging leader program. It may even be a college externship program. But any leadership development program, we will partner with the person who heads that up at at their organization and and really help figure out what is it that you want to create? What sort of difference do you want to make at your organization? And how can we support you in doing that? And so, you know, oftentimes the delivery of what comes out of that ends up being some mixture of training and and coaching. So sometimes we'll deliver that as well. Okay. Okay. I'm curious, have you done work with the state CPA chapter or TSCPA or any of the I guess, local chapters, because I know many of them have leadership programs. I'm just curious if, if you... Yeah, you know, not yet. I actually volunteer with the Austin chapter of the Texas Society and support. I'm on the Leadership Academy Committee, actually. But I didn't feel that was appropriate to try to serve that, right, since I'm a volunteer. So I have not suggested <laughs> my own services for them. Um, but no, so we haven't worked yet, but we are working. We tend so far to partner with larger CPA firms and some CPA firm associations. And we partnered with our first state society just this year, actually, in September, but it was not Texas. Okay. Tell me about Elevate Coaching and Elevate Alliance as well, because I, I noticed, is that something you're doing in conjunction with Intend to Lead, or how do, how do all those work together? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. It's confusing, <laughs> isn't it? They are not technically related to one another. So, so Elevate started out as my sole business that I had before I met Brian, and it was focused on coaching. Then I met Brian. We combined forces, created Intend to Lead, and then all of my CPA-related work, and when I say CPA, right, I mean when I work with CPAs, it's all under the Intend to Lead umbrella. But I still had Elevate kind of over there to the side, right? And I thought, what do I want to do with this? And I started noticing that women entrepreneurs who were starting out were coming to me for coaching. So I would coach them. And the more I worked with these women and the more I was a woman entrepreneur, 
I saw a real need out there. And a lot of women who, like me, were starting up a business, we bootstrap it and we don't have a lot of funds. And as we talked about earlier, you don't always have a lot of clients right out the gate. And it's sometimes hard to get access to good resources like coaches, right? Because those things cost money. So I just kind of started thinking in the background, hmm, there's a need out here. And, and there's also not only was there the access challenge, right? The access to great resources and affordable price. There's also this challenge of just being a woman entrepreneur, trying to run a business, trying to keep it all together and look like you have it all together because people expect you to when you're running a business and keeping your family together and, you know, taking care of the people in your life and just your household, all those things. We have a lot on our plates oftentimes. And how I felt for a few years was, wow, I don't really have a lot of people that I can talk to about the challenges I'm having. And sometimes it's just hard. And, you know, I didn't want to talk to my husband about it because I didn't want him to worry. A lot of my friends, they just didn't understand because they, they weren't in that space, right? They weren't entrepreneurs. And I ended up having a mastermind group of two other women entrepreneurs. And the three of us masterminded together for years. And that just was a lifesaver for me. It allowed me the space to set intentions for what I wanted for my business, for my life. It gave me the space to share my challenges, to ask for help, to share celebrations with one another. And I know that that I very much attribute much of why I am where I am to that. And I saw the power of that. And I said, I want to bring this to others. And how can I do that? So Elevate really became the space for that. So Elevate Coaching was about one-on-one -on -one coaching and then providing group coaching or masterminding to women entrepreneurs. And then as I was doing some of that, I had a bigger vision come to me, and it is the Elevate Alliance. So the Elevate Alliance was born this year, earlier this year. I actually say it was born on my 40th birthday. So I turned 40 on March 16th this year, and I had a launch party for the Alliance on the same day. And the Elevate Alliance is all about elevating women entrepreneurs and giving women who are starting out their businesses the confidence and the courage to believe in themselves and what they can do and the difference that they can make in the world and support them in that. So I am fortunate to know just so many great women in professional services that are really good at what they do and they have big hearts and they really care. So I thought, what would happen if we came together and decided that we wanted to support other women, right? So that we could set them up for success in those earlier years and give them the support system that many of us did not have or that many of us, you know, really had to, to seek pretty hard to find. So the Elevate Alliance is about bringing women together to simplify our lives, to focus on the things that really matter when you're starting up a business. And we focus on three things. We provide inspiration, the practical know-how, and a safe community of like-minded women. And we provide access to these amazing high-quality resources like coaches, attorneys, CPAs, marketing experts, experts in IT, we provide those resources to women at a more accessible way. Beautiful. Okay. 
Okay. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time, and, and I also try to end every podcast with, with three main questions. I want to make sure we have time for that because there's a lot of value in those as well. But before we get to that last question, you sound so happy doing what you're doing. You sound like you enjoy it so much. What advice would you have for individuals that are looking at or looking at striking it out you know, on their own and whether it's maybe starting their own accounting practice or, or maybe it's moving from accounting into a completely different field? Any advice you'd have on, on starting a business? A lot of advice. Mark, I'm <laughs> going to write a book on this at some point, <laughs> but just because there's so much I have to share that you know I've learned, and that's part of why I wanted to create the Alliance too. But I'll start with maybe one really critical piece, and that is pay attention to what lights you up and to what you love to do. If you just start paying attention to that, you are 80% of the way there right? Like you said, I sound really happy. I am. I'm very happy. Why am I happy? Because, because I'm creating my life the way I want it to be, because I'm paying attention to what I enjoy doing. And I find opportunities to do more of that because not only am I better for that, but everyone around me is better, right? I I provide better service. My clients are happier. I'm just a better person to be around. The energy I bring to what I do is better. It's just good for everyone. So pay attention to the things you like to do, to what lights you up. And don't think that just because you love something doesn't mean you can make money at it. (laughs) Like I say, the money will follow. The money will come if you really follow where where your heart is. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's a good point. Well, like I mentioned, I end every podcast with the same three questions because I, I think it gives us some good consistency and it's just it's a good way to, to bring things to a close. The, the first is usually the easiest one. What has been your proudest moment? When I gave birth to my son, Ethan. And I will tell you what, that didn't go the way I planned either. <laughs> and I had a birth plan. And I know you probably don't know a lot about birth plans, Mark, but I had a birth plan and, and it was going to be amazing and it didn't go at all the way I thought. And it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy, but I'm, there was no better moment in my life than when he came into the world and I was holding him in my arms. Mm, that is, that is beautiful. Well, tell us about a mistake you've made. And of course, what you learn from it, because that's where a lot of the value is. But frankly, the bigger, the better. We like the colossal mistakes. <laughs> which one do I want to choose? Because <laughs> uh, there are a lot. I'll say it's hard, though. I mean, I, honestly, Mark, sometimes I, I'm not sure I believe in, in the word mistakes. I, I just call it a learning experience <laughs> because it's just feedback, right? When we mess something up, when we, quote, fail, I don't think it's a failure. It's an opportunity to learn and say, hmm, what happened? What could I change or do differently? So with that context, I will say that well, I'm learning every day. So that means I'm messing up every day. But probably the first year of my business, when I struck out on my own, I really thought I knew what I was doing. And I thought, I'm a CPA. I work with all these businesses. I can do this. I'll be making X dollars. I don't remember what the number was, but I just laugh now. I, I still don't even think I'm making the number that I thought I would in that first year. And I hardly made, I, I was at a loss the first year. And, you know, I was having a baby and I guess you could characterize that as a mistake and that I didn't make the money I thought I would. I didn't have the clients I, I thought I would, but what did I learn? That that was one of the best things that ever happened to me, 
<laughs> right? If I hadn't gone through that, it probably wouldn't have prompted this whole idea for this other business that I had. And what I learned from that was to really look at what was I doing? What I noticed at that time was working alone was not for me. I'm better with someone else. I'm better with a partner. And when I met Brian and partnered with him, just what we've been able to create together is incredible. And if I hadn't had that experience on my own struggling and doubting myself and not having confidence in myself, I I would not, you know, be where I am now. You know, I I think it's true with a lot of people that start their own business, particularly from scratch. Later on, you're, you're sort of thankful for the things you didn't realize because if you would have, you would have never started in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And see, pe- more people need to hear these stories because, you know, if you're prepared for that too, or, or you know that that's part of the journey and it actually, it truly is a gift, then you can embrace it actually when it's happening and look to crazy as it sounds, enjoy it and learn from it as opposed to suffering through it. That's right. That's right. Well, last question, and and then we'll close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you personally have ever received? I get so much great wisdom from other people. This question is challenging, but I, I will say one of my mentors and friends inspired me to dream big and inspired me to give myself permission to dream big. And his name is John Henry McDonald. He says it's about possibilities, not probabilities. And and just giving myself that permission to dream has made a huge, huge impact on my life. It's important to have people like that in your life. It really is. Absolutely. We need more of them. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your time with us. If if someone wanted to reach out to you online about your services and, and your consulting company, I guess, what's what's the best website to go to? Yeah, I mean, any of the three websites works, but, but I'll say the best one would be Intend to Lead. So it's Intend, I-N-T-E-N-D, the number two, lead.com. Intend to lead.com. Perfect. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. For our audience, this has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. We've had Sarah Elliott on today. If you haven't yet visited our home website, please do so. You can find the show notes for each and every episode, including this one, of course. And of course, we're going to have links to Sarah's business as well. That website is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. That's whereaccountantsgo.com. And on that note, Sarah, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to leave the audience with? I would say just remember that you are the creator of your life. And we are all making it up as we go. So, you know, make yours something amazing. Well said. Well, thank you again to the audience for joining us. We'll see you next week.